Amen. Maybe seated. Maybe seated. Wonderful time of worship, church. Goodness, it is so great to look out and see people sitting in the pews. So good. <laughs> Amen. It's it's been it's been a, a crazy whirlwind of the last several months, and uh, Mr. Ed hit on that just a minute ago when he prayed. Uh, we have seen so much happen uh, over the last several months with. Uh, having to move online completely and literally stare at nobody except for the guys in the sound booth uh, and then move outside for our regather service. And man, that day, wow, <laughs> God just moving and working and seeing the fruit of, of three people come to faith in Christ and, and, and baptize them. And then our time that we've been outside and we've been making those connections with the people around us here in the community. It's just been incredible. It's been amazing to watch how God has moved and worked in and through us over these last several months. One thing that has been a constant reminder to me throughout this time has been the one solid foundational truth. God is faithful. God is faithful. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is with us always as he has promised to be with us to the end of the age. And I just want to say thank you, Father, for that. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us and how you have, have, have just continued to move things along for us, even in the midst of very difficult days. I want to bring to your attention, uh, if we were normally uh, non-COVID, we would normally take up our offering at this time before the message. So uh, just so you know, you can give online if you feel led to do so. Uh, the, the offering time will be taken up at the end when you go to leave. I just want to make sure you know that. Uh, if you want to give online, you can do it at homesavenue.com forward slash give. And I don't want to just write that off and just leave that. Giving is a form of worship. And that's one of the reasons why we went back to taking it up, passing it along. Uh, but we can't do that given the COVID stuff that's happening right now. Uh, but as we have mentioned to you, and if you want to go ahead and start to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13 today. 1 Timothy chapter 3, 8 through 13 today. And the title of the sermon today is Deacons, Faithful Servants. Deacons, Faithful Servants. In our calendar year as a church, uh, according with our, our bylaws and everything we've got written in place, uh, we bring on new deacons each year at this time period in August. And I have to tell you, church, for the last several months, honestly, to the beginning of the year, about January, when, when God moved me into the role that he's had me in, I, I've been praying and asking the deacons to join me, our present deacons, in joining me in praying about men in our congregation that would be able to come forward to serve as deacons. Because here's the reality of our, of our current deacon body. We have two because of how we, how we do it. They serve for three years and they go off for a year of a sabbatical, if you will. And we have two that are going off this year, Mr. Jerry Brown and Mr. Bill McDaniel, who have served us faithfully. And so that leaves us with Mr. Bill Hires, Mr. Rembert Reeves, and Mr. Fred Turner. And so we needed more deacons. And so we started praying about, these, uh, about God to bring certain men to our attention. And church, I'll have you know, this just goes on to show again the faithfulness of our God. Four men's names, the four that are being brought before you today, those four men were affirmed by you just by nominating them. Literally, as we are counting the names, we're seeing the people that back in July when we took up the names of people that you would nominate as a church body, that you would affirm to bring forward as deacons, the four names that are being presented to you today are literally the ones that you, the church, affirmed at that point, which shows me the faithfulness of God and the direction of God, and we're not missing the mark. 
We're being obedient and we're listening to what he's telling us to do. And he's directed these men to us. Now, before we go any further, I want to make sure I point out something. This is not a time right now for us to just boast in the deacons. It's not a time for us to boast in Brian, Walter, anything else. We are going to boast in Christ because that is our ultimate command. As, as his creation is to worship him, is it not? That is what we are called to do. So this is not an opportunity just to do a one-off sermon and just, just rally around the deacons. But it is something biblical that we need to look at and understand why we have deacons. What is the purpose behind it? Now what we're going to see here in Paul's letter to Timothy in this section that we're seeing is these qualifications for deacons. I want to bring to your attention, though, something very quickly. We won't read through it, but I want you to make a note of it in your Bibles or in your device, whatever you have, to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 3. It's not on the screen, but I just want you to make note of it in your Bibles. Because when Paul is talking about these two main offices, if you will, in the church, He's describing overseers, also known as pastors, also known as elders, in verses 1 through 7 of chapter 3. And if you didn't have a chance to, I want to encourage you, go back to last week when we finished the book of James. Go to our Facebook page, go on the website, listen to the message from last week. Because we went through the very end of James chapter 5. And James hits on something very specific there in verse 14, where he said, If any of you is sick, call upon the elders of the church to be prayed over and be anointed with oil. And we described that. We went through the whole, that whole section. You can go back and listen to it. But when we see that there, there's a distinction. When we see the word elders, it's not this single-led model. In Scripture, we see in countless examples, in Paul's letters, in Acts as, as well, we see these examples where these elders are leading the congregation. Now, over the course of church history, especially in, in Baptist life, over the last several years, now I don't mean several as in just the last ten, several decades, there's been this misunderstanding of Scripture. There's been this misunderstanding because for whatever reason, a pastor is exalted as just a single-led person over the body, taking the weight of everything from that, and there's no plurality that we see, which is exactly what Scripture lays out for us. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Walter and I are praying about what we're going to be preaching in the coming months and such, and God is really starting to direct us to potentially be preaching through 1 Timothy next year as we look at 2021. So uh, buckle up. We'll be able to look at that more in depth in the coming months, but we'll also talk about that periodically coming up as well. But we're going to see this. You, you have these qualifications for elders, and then what we're looking at today is the qualifications for deacons. And there's one very distinct thing that is different between the qualifications for elders and the qualifications for deacons. Deacons are not called necessarily in their qualifications to be able to teach. In verse 2, for example, of 1 Timothy 3, just bear with me, I know it's not on the screen, but it says respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Because as an elder of a congregation, as a pastor of a congregation, it is a gifting and calling by God to shepherd the flock that you've been entrusted to, to lead them, to teach them through the scriptures. The deacons are designed to be not a, not a political body. Praise God, we don't have that here. Not a political body, not, not an overpowering body. Deacons are called to be exactly what the word means, servants of the church. Servants ultimately of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also to serve the congregation. And so we're going to look at that today. 
So if you would, please stand with me one last time as we honor the reading of God's word, looking at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. And the word of the Lord says, Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested to prove, excuse me, be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God. Join me in prayer. Father God, Lord, we come before you now. Lord, just so thankful for the opportunity to come before you, to worship you. Lord, we have cried out to you in song. Lord, maybe some of us have given to you already. Lord, but we continue in this time of worship now being equipped by the word of God. Lord, I pray that as I stand here and I teach your people, Lord, that you would get me out of the way. Lord, let the words that come out of my mouth The meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Lord, you move, you speak, you have your way. May your spirit do its work that it always does so beautifully. Lord, if we need to be called to repentance, bring us to repentance. If we need to be called to take a step of faith in trusting you with something or to do something for your glory, make it clear to us, Father. Again, Lord, I pray for Brett now, Lord, as he is probably in the pulpit at this moment. And I ask God that you would speak through him in a powerful way. Continue to use Cooper River for every man, woman, and child, just as we pray you are doing us, doing with us here. I love you, Lord. I bless you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> All right. So, with what we're going to see in this passage this morning, we're going to see how Paul describes the qualifications and testing of deacons, how they, are to be, how they are to lead at home, and how they are to serve faithfully. So if you're taking notes, I hope you are. You now have a screen to be able to see the notes, to follow along. But the first point is deacons must meet certain qualifications and be tested. Look at verse 8. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. Here... Paul dives right in looking at these qualifications for deacons. And there's several things that are listed there. Now, you may remember way back from Philippians 1 when we started at the beginning of the year. You may, if you were able to see Wednesday night's message, that this is just another notion of what Paul is addressing with deacons and uh, pastors. We see it in, even in, in Philippians 1 where he's addressing both. It shows this, these two different kind of offices in the body uh, for the church. But he says there um, that they have these list of these qualifications. And you might be wondering, well, Brian, where does deacons even come from? Where, where do we get that from? And I want you to just make a note in your Bible. We don't have time to look at it, but I want you to make a note in your Bible. Go to Acts 6, verses 1 through 6. And you see the first example of how these men are set apart, how they are called for the purpose of serving as deacons. They see that there is a need in the church because the apostles need to be preaching and teaching the word of God as they've been called to do. And yet they, they, they are running out of that because there are so many people that needed to be served. And so they set apart these individuals for the purpose of serving the church. 
of serving that so that they could be devoted to the preaching and teaching of the word. Now, uh, we here in uh, this passage today, uh, we're going to see how these deacons are to be called upon, how they are to meet certain qualifications for that. In the Acts 6 example, where we're, we're looking at the original calling of these deacons and the setting apart, it was to give this service to those widows, the ones that were in need, the ones that needed to be served. And as I said, it hindered the ministry of what the apostles were needing to do. So it calls these deacons. Now, Warren Wiersbe, a wonderful Bible theologian, he says it like this in regards to that. He says, deacons relieve the pastors and elders of other tasks so that they may concentrate on the ministry of the word, prayer, and spiritual oversight. One of the things that I love about how uh, we have deacons established here in our congregation is they are servant leaders to the congregation and they have a certain family ministry. And I've seen this play out in other churches and it's been a blessing there, there are times where, as, as the deacon family ministry, you've got about you know, 10 or so families that are on that ministry that you are assigned to, that you are to, to be there for and to help and to encourage and to come alongside of and to pray for and things of that nature. And these men that have already been serving faithful in this role, they will tell you that they, they enjoy that. They love being able to do that. They love being able to, to write a card or to, to make a phone call or to check in and see how things are going. They love being able to serve. And it's because of the specific calling that God placed on their life to do so. It's also uh, important to note here that deacons do not necessarily stay deacons forever. And this, this is what I mean by that. There could be an opportunity down the line to where as deacons are serving faithfully in the congregation, we see that through discipleship, through the understanding of the Word of God, through the time of, of being taught the Word and growing more and more in that sanctification, that there may be qualifications for elders or overseers, pastors that come out of that. And, and they might be able to meet the, the, the requirement of being able to teach. And by God's grace and mercy, that would be amazing to see. Because as you know, we are continually, and you'll hear way more about this next week with the Die Kingdom Come series, with Pray especially, but we're praying Luke 10 too, every day. The harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out labors into his harvest. And by doing so, it would be an answer to our prayer that we would see men say, you know what, I feel like God is calling me to shepherd a flock. I feel that God is calling me to pastoral ministry. And we will be able to equip them and train them up to send them out as a labor in the harvest. Just because a person is a deacon doesn't mean that they necessarily would not meet that qualification if God so led that to happen. That would be awesome. Let's look at the breaking down of verse 8. The first part says that a deacon likewise must be dignified. He must be dignified. This person must be respected. A man of Christian character. Must be someone that is respected. A man of Christian character. Secondly, sorry about that. Secondly, he must not be double-tongued. He does not gossip. He is one that is truthful. He says something and you can take him at his word. Not given to much wine. One cannot serve God faithfully and be a drunkard must be this understanding of that. It does not bring God glory. 
Ephesians 5.18 tells us, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Must not be given to much wine. The last part, not greedy for dishonest gain. Does not have a, a love for money. Does not have this greediness. We've talked about it several times throughout our journey through the book of James this summer. But we've seen this topic, and we've actually seen this verse quoted several times, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't have this desire to continually have the money and put God on hold. You can't serve that as a master. And I would dare say you can't do that as a Christian. Not just the deacons here. As a Christian, we cannot make idols of things in our life and hold this in such high regard because when we do that, we're taking the glory and attention off of God that He deserves and therefore we are doing what? We are sinning against God. We cannot do that. We must honor the Lord and glorify Him. In verse 9, the qualifications continue. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Hold the mystery of the faith. What is the mystery? It refers here to something that was once hidden, but is now revealed. It's the gospel. It's the beauty of the gospel. We were lost and separated from God. As Ephesians tells us when Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, what does he tell us there in chapter 2? He tells us that we were once what? We were once dead in our trespasses and sins. We were once following the course of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love he had for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. The mystery of the faith, the gospel being made clear to us who have repented of our sins and confessed Christ Jesus as Lord. You must know the core truth of the gospel. You must know the core truth of the gospel. And anybody that's sitting here, we must know the core truth of the gospel. Anyone that is watching at home, if you are a follower of Christ, we must know the core truth of the gospel. Because we are on mission for him, are we not? We talk about it over and over and over. And we will continue to talk about it over and over and over. That's why we have a mural painted in the Welcome Center. That's why we have Pray, Equip, Deploy. So that everybody sees the circle of accountability in which God has called us to. And to be on mission to that circle of accountability, these people out in the harvest, we must know the core truth of the gospel so that we can tell them. How are they to know unless we take the word to them? We must know that. Deacons must know that. Deacons, we must also, church, we must also submit to the scriptures as authority in our lives. The word of God is truth. The word of God is inerrant. It is infallible. It is God's perfect word given to us. Think about that for a moment. 
God, in His beautiful sovereignty, His grace, His mercy, has preserved the Word of God for years upon years upon years. And we sit here on August 30th, 2020, in the midst of the craziest year of my life. And we still have the beauty of the Word of God before us to learn from, to be convicted by, for God to commune with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. That thought alone should bring us to our knees in worship. Who are we? Who am I? Who are you that God would do that for us? That he would willingly send his son, the perfect spotless lamb of God, to Calvary's cross to take on God's wrath in our place. I don't deserve it. And if you're being honest, you don't deserve it either. But God is rich in mercy. Thank God for that riches in mercy. Verse 10 tells us, Let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Now church, this doesn't mean that these deacons have had to sit down and take a test. We haven't set them down and they had to take an academic test and fill in a bunch of blanks. Here's how they've been tested. Since the day that God called them to Holmes Avenue, we've seen how they've lived their lives. Since the day that God called them to Holmes Avenue, we have watched them how they have faithfully served the church. Ultimately, how they have faithfully served the Lord. Many things that have been done that you may not have a clue about. Many things that have been done that honestly, maybe I don't even know about. Doing things because they see that there's a need and they step out and they do it. And in doing so, being watched over the course of time and then the affirming of the church calling them and saying, all right, we want to we nominate these guys. Then we look at these qualifications. We talk with them. And we verify that this is what God is doing. We're going to present them before the church. It's beautiful stuff. So not only does the deacon meet certain qualifications and be tested, but secondly, deacons must lead well in their homes. Deacons must lead well in their homes. Look at verse 11. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Here with verse 11, we see how the one flesh union, man and woman coming together in marriage, how this one flesh union between man and woman plays out for us. Brian Chapel and Kent Hughes in their commentary from the Preaching the Word series says this, Paul is simply telling Timothy that a deacon must have a wife who has a respectability that matches his own, that his wife's qualifications are part of a parcel of his qualifications for the office of deacon. It's this beautiful act and moment of seeing how the two are there for each other. A female that is a wife, the wife of this man that is serving God. She serves the congregation as well. She's there in support of him. And there's certain things that Paul specifically says here. The specific list of qualifications, if you will. Dignified. This respect that comes. She's worthy of that respect because of the way in which she lives her life. Says, not slanderers. 
must not be one who gossips, but is truthful, just as we saw a moment ago about the deacon. Sober-minded, not a drunkard, must be clear-minded, making good judgment calls, honoring and glorifying God. And then he says faithful. Faithful. Doesn't mean that it's this expectation of being perfect. But it is this constant reminder of a pursuit of holiness. This constant reminder of a pursuit of holiness. Which let's push pause there for a second and ask this question. Shouldn't we all be doing the same? We all should be doing the same. We all should be waking up daily and saying, Lord, I present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. This is my spiritual worship to you. So I'm going to be transformed by the renewal of my mind through my time with you. I'm going to be faithful. I am going to pursue holiness in this life until the day you call me home. Verse 12. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. Here Paul gives a direction again to the deacons themselves by stating how they are to manage their households. He says that they must be the husband of one wife. Gentlemen, be a one-woman man. It's funny to think about, but, but, but seriously. You might say, well, Brian, I would never do anything like that against my wife. Okay. But doesn't the Lord make it clear that our eyes wonder? That's the same thing as committing lust and adultery. Set up parameters in your life, deacons. Set up parameters in your life, men in the church. Because the enemy will do any and everything in his power to take your attention off of following Christ. He will do any and everything in his power to make you stumble. He rejoices in the fact to see a moral incident happen where adultery takes place. He rejoices at the fact that something that is supposed to be God-glorifying in the, in the marriage union between a man and a woman when something like that happens. Guard yourself. Guard your eyes. Guard your ears. Guard everything. And women, the same is true for you. I think men a lot of times get, get pointed out as that because we are, it seems that men can be tempted so much more with that. Some of you are thinking, man, I didn't expect this from the pastor today. But it's the reality. Guard yourselves. Because this culture today is extremely sexualized. There is sin all around us. And we must be the light in the midst of the darkness. Guard yourselves. Pour into that marital union that God has blessed you with. He manages his children and his household well. Now I know that not every single person that is coming forward as a deacon today has children in the home anymore. Some are adult children. Some you don't have children yet. Some you have a child in the home. Some you have grandchildren in the home or the grandchildren visit frequently. Set the example. 
I'm talking to the deacons at this moment, but church, hear me as well. Set the example. Stand up into the calling that God has given us, parents. Stand up into the calling that God has given us, grandparents. And let's lead our homes well. Let's disciple our children. Let's disciple our grandkids. Trisha Taylor does an amazing job in that homes kids area. Her and her volunteers. Amen. But we can't expect Trisha to disciple our kids on Sundays and that's it. We can't expect Trisha to disciple our kids via a video she sends out on Wednesdays because we're not gathering on Wednesdays. And that be it. If you are a parent and you have a child in the home, stand up to the calling that God has given you. Deacons, talking to you. Church, I'm talking to you. Grandparents, if for whatever reason, for family issues and all that, if you're right there in the presence of your grandkids all the time, pour into your grandkids. You've heard me say this before. I was blessed to grow up in a Christian home. My parents were great. They loved the Lord. And they worked all the time. They had, to, they had to provide for us and put food on the table. So a lot of the times after school, we were with my grandparents every day until 5, 36 o'clock at night. There are several things I took from that with being with my grandparents. One, if we did the stuff that we were supposed to do, we could watch Power Rangers. Two, I found out who Victor Newman was, and that was crazy because my grandmother loved soap operas. <laughs> but three, and the most important thing, I learned so much more about who Jesus was because my grandmother took the time to understand her calling as a follower of Jesus Christ to pour into me and teach me the truth of the gospel. And by God's grace, she was there when I came to know Jesus. And I rejoice in that. And I praise God for that. I know this is a sermon directed to deacons, but church, we need to hear that as well. Disciple our children, because the reality is, you just heard me say a minute ago how over-sexualized our culture is. You understand how messed up the world is. And our kids are growing up in that. Boldly proclaim the gospel to our children and disciple them and our grandkids. The deacon... He leads well at home. I love how Denny Burke puts it. It's the proving ground for ministry. It's an opportunity that God gives us as our first priority, even before the church, to pour into our homes. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6.4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Just because it says father's there, if you're in a situation to where there is no dad in the home, pour into that child. Teach them the truths of the scriptures. Lastly, deacons are expected to serve well. Look at verse 13. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Paul concludes this section highlighting this expectation. He says for those who serve well as a deacon, they gain a good standing with or for themselves. What does this mean? Well, it could be a good standing before the church body. 
They are respected. People see the way in which they serve and they honor the Lord. So it's a respect. They grow in this. Those who serve well gain a good standing for themselves. This could also lead to something down the line if if leadership opportunities opened up further. He also states, also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus as he grows more and more intimately with the Savior in his sanctification, as he grows in that time with Christ, as he is discipled in the deacon body by the pastors, as he is discipled in one-on-one relationships with other men, as he's growing in his faith and understanding, he grows in his confidence to speak about Christ and how the Lord is moving and working in his life. It's beautiful. And in some ways it seems so elementary, but we make it so difficult. The more and more we spend time with the Lord, the more and more he does what? He transforms us. And we grow in that, and then we're able to use what we have learned in our growing to impact the people that are around us for the gospel. So I want to ask you, we're about to move into a time where we're going to bring these men up to affirm them. But before we do that, you've heard these qualifications. You've heard these things that have been said. You also have noticed that throughout the time of the preaching that I've pointed out things in which the church must do as well. See, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to live our lives in obedience to God, are we not? That's what we're to do. And so as you've heard these qualifications, maybe something has stuck out to you. Maybe the Spirit is moving and working in you right now. And you're like, man, I've I got to talk to somebody about this. I need prayer for this. Well, in a few moments after we do this time with the deacons, we're going to have a closing song. We're going to have a time of reflection. We're going to have a time before we even partake in the Lord's Supper to where you can come and ask for prayer, whatever it may be. I want you to stop and I want you to ask the Lord, Father, what are you telling me right now? Don't let me push pause on this just because it's about deacons. If you are speaking, Father, tell me what it is that you're drawing me to. Make it clear what I need to repent of. Make it clear what I need to step forward in. I want you to pray and ask God that. I want you to be thinking about that even now as we move into this time.